to our annual conference call. Uh, hopefully everybody saw t today's news that was broken by Philly.com that the Royal Rumble 2018 will be held in Philadelphia. So that's some exciting news from our end. And without any further ado, I'd like to turn things over to WWE's Executive Vice President of Talent Live Events and Creative, Paul Levesque. Man, I was going to talk about Philly. Sorry. Yeah. Show <laughs> Thank you guys uh, for being a part of the call today. Um, I know there's a lot of uh, international media on the call today, so I appreciate this. As usual, very much looking forward to this NXT takeover uh, this week from the uh, Freeman Coliseum, which will be sold out, and you can see it live on the WWE Network at 8 p.m. Eastern time. Um, it's a very exciting card to me. This has been a, a little bit of a unique build on the way to this. Um, for me, it was a little bit uh, challenging given all the things going on and given the holidays and the change of Survivor Series moving uh, or the takeover around Survivor Series uh, moving in Toronto and then coming back to the Rumble being a takeover, there was a lot of changes that were made strategically within WWE that changed kind of the landscape of NXT and given the holidays and our shooting schedule where we already had uh, tape shows for the end of the year that ended up being the uh, Japan Osaka show and the Melbourne show, those uh, kind of changed a little bit of how I would have built this show and promoted it. But that being said, the card itself to me is stellar. You have, when, uh, you know, when, all you have to do is look at the lineup to me and, and you have uh, Roderick Strong versus Andrade Almas, which should be just an incredible hard hitting match. Roderick is just kind of getting his feet on the ground for us here. And it's just such a phenomenal talent. Andrade is, is I feel like kind of finding his wheelhouse of, of where he is as a performer with uh, with NXT and, and is just kind of on that ground floor of, of exploding. Ty Dillinger, always a favorite with the, the NXT crowd, stepping in the ring with Eric Young, a veteran with a, with a ton of experience, and uh, with Sandy behind him, to me, is very, very interesting. DIY versus Authors of Pain, again, uh, Jamin Gargano, just incredible talent, an amazing tag team, and, and Authors of Pain just kind of being that throwback, destructive tag team, and, and a team that hasn't been here for very long and has um, just moved up very, very quickly and become a force. In a, in a fatal four-way for the Women's Championship, Asuka, Nikki Cross, Peyton Royce, and Billy Kay. It's a very interesting dynamic of the two of, of the Australian girls working together, Nikki Cross kind of being the, the crazy sanity sort of loner and Asuka just being just the dominant destroyer. But uh, in a fatal four-way, anything can happen. So that should be a, a – I'm, I'm really looking forward to that match. And then, of course, Shinsuke Nakamura, the one and only, uh, just – you can't really say enough about him talent-wise or charisma-wise stepping into the ring with Bobby Roode, who um, I think is hell-bent on kind of proving at this point in his career that he is the star that he's always said he has been and will continue to be and, and uh, is looking to make a name for himself on a, on a much different platform. So very excited for the card. 
Um, I will remind everybody that this Saturday also in the pre-show, we will be announcing the NXT year-end awards, which you can still vote on right now. There are seven categories, takeover of the year, tag team of the year, breakout star of the year, female star of the year, male star of the year, match of the year, and overall competitor of the year. We'll be uh, going through those winners on the pre-show before takeover this Saturday. And I'd also like to make mention, since it's happened since the last time I spoke with you, about the success of the recent UK tournament. Um, Can't say enough good things about the talent over there. I knew it watching them. I knew it as we were recruiting them. But the talent that we have that were in that tournament were amazing. Working with them was a wonderful experience. They're uh, very polished and um, I look forward to, to the future of working with them even even in a bigger way. And hopefully um, everything we're going to be able to get everything lined up here to, to, to make that a, a weekly UK show. That's the goal. And, um, and move forward with these guys and be able to showcase to the world uh, their, their amazing talent. So with that, I am going to open it up to questions on uh, – I'm sure everybody has – a lot given everything that is going on in the world of WWE, NXT, and everything else. And everybody, we'll keep it to the usual rules of one question and one follow-up per caller. Thank you. If you'd like to ask a question, please signal by pressing star 1 on your telephone keypad. If you're using a speakerphone, please make sure your mute function is turned off to allow your signal to reach our equipment. Again, press star 1 to ask a question. And we'll take our first question from Mike Johnson with PW Insider. Hey, Paul, how are you? You're back to form, Mike. I love it. Um, I do my best. I want to ask you about the U.K. scene because you guys signed a number of talents that worked the tournament. Since then, uh, those talents have been pulled from appearing on different U.K. promotions and European promotions, depending on where that material is going to appear, whether it be on the Flow Sports platform or iPay-Per-View or whatever. Before the tournament took place, there seems to be this uh, understanding that Nobody was going to have any sort of uh, restraints on where they could work. And now you've got a bunch of indie promotions, some of which you guys tried to forge relationships with, all scrambling to reshuffle cards. Can you explain why this happened, maybe why there wasn't a grace period, and where the misunderstanding came from? Because you have a lot of people over there freaking out that you guys are about to basically do the uh, 2017 version of what happened in the 80s where Vince walked in and trounced all the territories. There's a lot of people concerned that you guys are about to start the beginning of the end of the European indie scene. Yeah, so there's a lot of uh, confusion based on that. A lot of people, a lot of the confusion is based on people's refusal to acknowledge the reality of the situation. Um, we, we, we signed talent as a part of this UK tournament and are looking forward to doing hopefully what will become a weekly show over there. The talent knew going in what the deal was. They knew what the restrictions were and they knew what the restrictions weren't. We're not restricting them from working for anybody as long as it's not distributed. As long as there is no um, distribution outside of the live event. Now some of these promotions tried to come in after the fact and add uh, a distribution portion or a distribution component to that. Um, 
talent didn't sign up for that to start with. They just had that added coming off of the success of what we did or whatever they were working on. That's a change. That's a change in how the talent were being dealt with. Talent have an agreement to go to an event, to compete in a live event, not to do other things, and that's changed. Um, you know, so we're, we're, we're not, we're not heavy, handing, hand, heavy handing anybody. We're asking them to approve. We're asking them to work with us, to work with the groups that are, and I was very clear about this when I was over there, we want to work with groups that are cultivating talent, not groups that are just coming in and one-offing talent. Um, so is, is, there, is there a period of time right now where we're allowing guys to work for, for people? Absolutely. Um, they, but every single one of these talent knew the deal. They knew the deal going into it. They knew, they knew what, the, what the ask was, and they knew what their restrictions were. So, you know, coming out of the other side of it, there's a lot of confusion, but it's not on our side, and it's not on their on the talent side. I believe it's on the promoter side who just kind of change things and and do things however they they feel like they want to do things. And trust me, there are a lot of you can call them promotions, but there are a lot of people that do one-off shows over there, and and um, and there's a big difference. So, and all of this is strategic. You're going to see a lot of um, a lot of announcements here over. Uh, a short period of time where I think all the questions that you're asking now um, and all the fears that everybody had will go away and um, people are going to go, oh, it's very clear what they were doing right now. Just obviously because it's strategic, you just can't come right out and say those things. All right. And then just a quick follow-up on the same talents. You said the goal is a weekly TV series. Obviously you guys can't just start running buildings weekly and, and doing TV, but what's the timeline for that series? Because you, you obviously have the budget to make something pop into existence in a very short amount of time. You did it with this tournament. So what's the holdup with the series and when do you, when, what's your timeline for when you think it'll roll out? Well, doing, uh, I'm not sure if you've ever put either one on, but doing a weekly television show is a lot different than putting on a tournament. Let me just say that. Um, there's a lot of factors that go involved in this. And yes, do, do we have the money to run out there and do a show tomorrow? Yeah, no, we'd actually like it to be beneficial to everybody, though, and, and be financially the right thing. And so there's a lot of factors that we're working through to make this happen. There's a lot of um, a, a lot of factors that I, I understand that it's it's difficult for everybody to to see now. But um, as um, as time moves forward, I think you're going to see very clearly why things happened in the order that they happened, why things took the time they took to happen, and um, I, I think it will all be pretty clear. So I should take that as a no comment for the timeline then? Well, uh, well as far as for a timeline, uh, you know, I, I wish I could tell you uh, that it was going to happen on such and such a date. It's just, you know, there's a lot of factors involved um, in just – you, you know, you're, t you're talking about weekly television. So when you talk about doing a tournament and running our crew over there and our people and doing it with the WWE is different than having people on the ground in the UK running a television show that's that's airing weekly. It's a, it's a different thing. So there are still T's to be crossed and I's to be dotted. Um, in the meantime, we're going to continue to give exposure and and um, help the careers thrive of the guys that we're working with in the UK. And by the guys, I mean, I mean the talent that we're working with in the UK. 
um, that that is our goal. This is to, to it's going to benefit them as well. Um, so, and, and I think you're just going to see that over time. It's not a no comment. I just can't give you that time frame because it doesn't perfectly exist right now. We'll go for our next question to Brian Fritz with Sporting News. Hey, Paul. Um, so, hey, obviously, Brian. you've done the two tournaments so far between the Cruiserweight Classic and the U.K. tournament. Both of them were done a little bit differently. The Cruiserweight Classic was done over five or six weeks. The U.K. tournament over two days. Is there a format that you prefer that you think will work better going forward uh, when you do your next tournament like that? I, I, I think it I think it depends on the goal of the tournament. Look, the goal of the um, Cruiserweight Classic was slightly different than the goal of the UK tournament. And where we were doing and operating those, you know, bringing in all these international talent to us and operating it in our, um, in, in kind of our zone, so to speak, is a different thing than going over to the UK and, and shooting it over there over a long period of time. So they run different for different reasons. Um, you know, I think they both have their place and they both can work well. I think people enjoyed the intense, fast programming aspect of the UK tournament and it took place over two days. You really got a feel for who these guys were. You could emotionally invest in the talent and, um, you know, the storytelling was very clear. But then again, on the other hand, I think the cruiserweights, exposed you to a lot of different talent over a longer period of time, but you got to see different variations of styles over every single week. And it just, it was something different and changing every week. Um, so there's, there's an upside to both. Um, and I think that going forward on any of these kind of, uh, deals we do, it will depend on what our, what we're trying to accomplish. And, you know, the, the, the other component of being able to go back-to-back live with uh, the U.K. tournament made it a completely different event and feel. And, um, you know, having the live event at the very end of Cruiserweights, but having it be taped, and, yeah, it, it's just a, it's a different a different animal. But they were done for different strategic reasons. When it comes to the Cruiserweight division, I, it seems like they're still kind of finding their way or trying to get the attention of the audiences, especially on, on Raw. Where do you feel the division is between their appearances on Raw and 205 Live? Um, I think it's a work in progress. So I think as a standalone, the feeling for Cruiserweights is slightly different. And then when you begin to integrate them into what's an already existing product. There's a growth curve there that needs to take place, not only of for the talent standpoint, but for um, how, the, how the creative teams and the companies utilize those talent. 205 being its own platform, I think gives those guys a different vantage point to be able to showcase what they do in a much more effective uh, manner. But, you know, don't get me wrong, when you're talking about 205 and you're talking about them appearing on Monday Night Raw, they they certainly both feed into each other. The exposure that they get from being on Raw is massive compared to the exposure that they get on 205 Live. But there's a synergy there between the two. So uh, I think it's it's clearly a work in progress. I I still... um, I still believe in that show. I have high hopes for that show. Uh, I think 
it's one of those deals where and a few years from now, it just feels like a staple part of what we are and what we do and, and has a really um, robust following. That's, that's truly my belief. Great. Thanks, as always. Thank you. We'll go next to Jason Powell with ProWrestling.net. Hey, Paul. Uh, hey, Jason. I was hoping you could speak to your philosophy on using Shinsuke Nakamura as the anchor of NXT. Obviously, he's a guy who could be making a splash on the main roster. And I've compared it to a AAA baseball team, having a guy who could be a star for the major league team, but keeping him down in the minors to help establish the minor league club. And you just wouldn't see that happen, especially with a guy who's going to be 37 next month. So I was just hoping you could maybe provide a counter-argument to that. Yeah, so... The, the, the counter-argument is to, to say that um, in baseball, if you're a pitcher, just as an example, really that's what you have to do well. Um, you have to pitch, and you're either a good pitcher or you're not a good pitcher, and that makes the, the that, that, that's the call as to whether you make main roster or whether you're working, as you said, in a AAA or, or whatever. With, with us, there's a lot of different components to that. Um, we, we're not like anything else. We're not a, a TV, just a TV show. We're an athletic event, but there's a massive TV component, and that's what WWE does that really kind of no one else does is we are a TV product. And, and if you talk to any of the talent, uh, you talk to Finn Balor. I just had this conversation with AJ Styles a few weeks ago. Um, the curve of coming in is not to be believed. And, um you know, when you're talking about a guy that comes in from another country with a different style, with a language barrier, with no real, and uh, this is hard for people to, when I say it, I think sometimes to accept, no real knowledge of television production. He was a wrestler and a performer that it was irrelevant to him that there were cameras shooting him. That's, it's not how... It works for us. We are a television show, um, and it's and it's a completely different thing. And that's that's a, a a philosophical difference. And working with those talent to get to where they need to be to work television and to be able to succeed on that level is a different thing altogether. So even even a guy as great and I look, I, I wanted him to be here. I've uh, sang his praises. I'm the one that went after him, all those things. But there was still a curve uh, coming in the door that needed to – the, the, he needed to have that experience in order to be successful on that main event roster. And he's there. Um, now it's just a matter of time of when it fits in and, um, you know, when, when, when he fits into that uh, – to, to moving up to that main roster, it's it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. Fair enough. And my other question is, with you guys expanding you know, into the cruiserweight division and now what's happening in the U.K., what type of effect is this having on NXT as far as is it more of a struggle to find uh, top-tier talent when, you're, when you're, you're kind of being spread out all over the place, it would seem? Well, yeah, I mean, there's, there's talent being spread all out. In, in different places, but I also believe um, it's just more opportunity for more talent to work different places. And I, I believe that eventually as these things begin to cultivate, you might see guys migrate out of 205 Live over to a UK 
based product, or you might see the UK based guys migrate over to NXT, or you know, um, I, I think when you start to look at it and you say kind of the main roster of Raw and SmackDown, and I know I have been the one saying like, but NXT is that third brand, it is. But you're going to see a lot of things sitting in and around that where talent can percolate and go through back and forth. And kind of NXT is that final kind of polish point in a way for a lot of guys to move into a different place. So it, I don't know that it's been – it made it more difficult. It's, it, um, it gives guys more places to work, more places to succeed, a, a clearer path to getting to the WWE and to that main roster. Um, and, um, you know, to me, that is going to ensure, I, I don't, I'm not looking at this as just the moment of right now. Like, what do I have for talent right now? And what's that pipeline look like today? I want that pipeline for five years from now or 10 years from now. And by increasing those opportunities and increasing the opportunities everywhere, it, it, it increases the pool. You know, that, that, that high water will rise all ships that, opportunity level where guys can go work and make a living and be prosperous doing this, having more and more places in which to do that is beneficial to everyone. Well, thanks and good luck on Saturday. Thank you very much. We'll take our next question from Dave Meltzer with Wrestling Observer. Hey, Paul. Hey, um, hey Dave, I, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I wanted to actually follow up something on Mike, and then I had another question but that Mike brought up. On the U.K. thing, I mean, in – in your, as far as your goals go, if we're talking about 2018, 2019, do your goals include, I know it's a, 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 the idea of a weekly television show, but would that also include like a circuit and running the territory, you know, you know, multiple shows a week type of a thing? Or are you just content with the idea of maybe doing, you know, TV tapings every couple of weeks or even a weekly TV show type of a, you know, weekly taping, so to speak? No, no, I, I, I want guys to work. You know, the, the only way you get great at doing this is by doing it. And, and that's the thing. You can teach guys in a performance center all day long or in a, in a school, or you can take them through the process of how to be a performer, but then doing it is how they get great at it. And um, I want them to, to work. So the, the, the idea for me is to be able to take a show, a, a, a weekly show in the U.K., and be able to run live events off it, but also to be able to support some of the um, – the, the other groups that are over there as well through that process and to be able to have these guys work. But they, but they have to be, they have to be quality places for guys to work. You know what I mean? And, and I, I said this and I just, I'll say it again. Like I want to work with guys that cultivate talent, not use talent. And there is a difference. Cultivating talent means these guys work with them. They have regular shows where they work with the same talent or they have storylines and they're progressing talent's careers and trying to help them progress in those careers, helping them become better at cutting promos, helping them become better at, at storytelling, progressing them and, and becoming more than just somebody that goes, I want to use you on Thursday and I'm going to pay you X and I'm going to do everything I can to try to exploit that, to make as much money as I can, and then I'm just going to move on to the next place, and if I never see you again, that's great. Um, to me, there's a different, there's a different thing, and it's a, it, that when when you start to work with the people that cultivate talent, you're changing fundamentally. My opinion, you're changing everything around the industry because 
Those talent now get better. Those shows are of better quality. So fans going to those shows, yeah, the talent are the talent, but the shows themselves are better quality. The talent get, get taken care of better on those shows than they do at the other shows. They're, they're, it's just a better, more professional feel to everything within the industry on that level. So when you're talking about the UK, yeah, we want to do the show. I want, I want to then, whether that becomes weekly, you know, Dave, I can't say at this point in time, I would hope that it would be full time, right? But um, I want them to work and I want them to be able to work and whether that's working with the guys that we're working with or that's working directly for our shows, um, I want them to have that time where their they're, they're full-time profession is being a professional wrestler or sports entertainer, depending on, on how you guys want to quote me on that. Um, and, uh, and, and they get to do it on a full-time basis and, and do it with people that they can feel comfortable with are going to treat them right, are going to actually pay them, that the ring is going to be quality, that they're not going to have problems with the ring falling apart or having other issues or, you know, it's, it's going to be a much more professional environment all the way around. That benefits talent, that benefits fans, it benefits everybody. You know, one thing when it comes to, like, you know, working with different companies and everything, um, and I remember this from, like, the 80s, and it used to always drive me, not drive me crazy, but it was where you would have, like, a, a, multiple shows that, that, that you could watch. Let's say, let's say I was living in Texas, and I could watch a show in San, from San Antonio, and I could watch a show from Dallas, which happened. And you, then you would have contradictory storylines where a guy would be a heel feuding with one guy and then teaming with him on the other circuit because the promoters didn't really – get their cards together and realize that people somewhere in the middle were getting both shows type of a thing. I mean, when you do this, you kind of have to, um, I mean, obviously it's your, it's your guy. So he's got to do the role that you've got set. I mean, do you kind of have it with these companies that it's like, you know, don't, don't be messing with our character, so to speak, if you're going to use our character. Well, yeah, but that, that also comes down to the talent and it also comes down to the promotion Wanting to do business in a smart way, you know, I, I'll, I'll, and I'm completely making this up, but if you're Pete Dunne and we just made you a hot heel, it, does it make sense for some other promotion to come in and use him and try to turn him into a baby face in a storyline with, you know what I mean? Like it just doesn't, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't work because the where people are going to have a feel for who this guy is, especially in today's world, you're talking about it irritating you in the eighties and you didn't have to touch a button and hit the whole world with social media. Now there's, there's, you can't hide these things and you can't get away from what they are. So the smart way to do it is that way. I think that, given the people that we have talked to for the most part and that I've been, you know, having meetings with and working with throughout the industry, there are some people that will just inherently get that because it's smart business and they will see that as the right way to go, clearly. Um, and then there's other people that I don't know that they will, but I don't know that we'll do business with those guys because I'm not sure that that's the, that it's the smartest avenue anyway. You know what I mean? So, um, I think that'll all work itself out. We're looking to to kind of work in conjunction with these guys, not in opposition to them, not in um, just in conjunction with. 
And just like one, one last thing is, as far as what's, what are your thoughts as far as Matt Riddle? Because I actually just watched him on uh, Revolution Pro the other, you know, the other day. And, you know, I mean, it was almost like watching a Kurt Angle and in some ways, in some ways at the same stage, even better. But he also has the, you know, the, the reason he's not in UFC, which is the, the pot test failures. And I know that, you know, all these things are under consideration from your standpoint. But, I mean, where does he kind of stand in your eyes right now? So, Matt, to me, is a kid that um, has, you know, he's had a tryout for us before. And he, and he came in and we saw his talent then. And... um Given all the things that you talked about and all the all the reasoning why you know because he had some baggage and all the other things, you know you you well I'm all for second chances and guys moving on and proving themselves in their lives and all that stuff. But but you got to go through a period of time where you prove yourself. And at that point in time, he was just promise. So you know, uh, without getting into the details, we I felt like he had a lot of promise, and I sort of kind of nudged along the process of getting him taken care of in the scene um, and making sure that he was um, cultivated and to see if that promise, if if there was more than just promise there. Um, And he's done very well with that. So what the future holds, I'm not 100% sure. But he's a very, very talented kid. You you, you know, you brought him up to Kurt Angle. I I, I don't know how you get a a better comparison than that. Um, So... You know, clearly very talented, clearly um, somebody that has a bright future, and, um, and, we'll, and we'll see where it goes. We'll go next to Raj Geary with Wrestling Inc. And this will be the last caller for the day. Thank you. Thanks, Paul. I, I wanted to know if there has been any talk of possibly airing an NXT TakeOver special on, uh, on USA to kind of gauge just how it would do with a national cable audience. Um, you know, there's, there's conversations about where things kind of live in the ecosystem of, uh, of the world. I think from a content standpoint all the time, I, I I feel like there are, you know, at, at some point in time when you're, you have a network and you're trying to create value for that network and give people reasons to among all the other reasons there are to have the network and to, to keep the network, but give them more reasons, I think you want to, you have to weigh that heavily. Um, I think NXT has potential to be a lot of things. Where it sits is not 100% my decision. I know those conversations have happened, but I think right now, for me anyways, I feel like one of the things that I really like about NXT is um, – it is a little bit of kind of like an exclusive network property that makes it different and makes it have a different feel to it. And there are some things that, you know, that the, the network is an evolving product. So there are some things and some changes that I'm hopeful that will happen uh, sooner than later that will expand it, make the show better, um, you know, expand uh, just, just the value of it to everybody. And, you know, it, the, the one thing that the network has done is created all these opportunities, but as each opportunity comes up, it makes you relook at where everything sits and how it functions and, you know, splitting the rosters and then a, a massive amount of NXT talent getting called up, reshifted re- that brand. And, um, 
you know, we're, we're sort of kind of rebuilding off that still to this, to this day. It's, it's still a process. I'm not happy with where it is right now by far. I, I, I want it to be much better than it is, but it's a rebuilding process and all these things going on. They all make changes in the ecosystem. So where everything lands at the end of the day is a moving target. And, um, but you, you know, uh, Part of that, part of the analysis of that target is the value of the uh, the, the WWE network. Great, thanks. And also, um, you had mentioned Shinsuke Nakamura earlier not being on the main roster. I guess what's the thought process regarding the talent uh, not having to go through NXT first, like a Carl Anderson or an AJ Styles, uh, as opposed to say like a Bobby Roode or a Samoa Joe. So. The, the, at the time, the, there was the thought process just was like, hey, these guys are available and there's an opportunity here, and uh, I think we can make this move and make it work. You know, I mentioned earlier that I had a conversation with AJ Styles. AJ had mentioned to me that he felt like, and he brought this up to me on his own, that kind of the time of anybody coming up to the main roster, having not gone through NXT, having just done it himself, he kind of wished that he had been able to almost, if there's such a learning curve that he felt like that shouldn't happen again. Like everybody should kind of have that, that little period of time to go through that process, whether it's NXT or whatever, but to go through that process because the learning curve is so sharp and so steep and, and you come in the door thinking like, I know what I'm doing and I got this and I'm good to go and all that stuff. And then it hits you and you're like, wow, not what I was thinking. So, um, you know, there, there's, there's a, there, there, whether anybody sees it outside of the business or not, there's this learning curve there. And I think that you're going to see very few people that can come in and say, come in from something or someplace else and just walk onto that main roster. Now the gap is too big. Gotcha. Thank you. All right, everybody that will wrap up today's conference call. Thank you um, guys very much for the for the time. And I know that there has been a lot of uh, questions lately, obviously from the, the nature of this call about the UK, about, um, you know, things going forward with other tournaments. It's just there's so much stuff happening. Trust me, it's hard to keep track of on my end as well. There's so much going on. And you know, while these calls are phenomenal, I would also encourage you guys to reach out to us and happy to have other conversations. I, I throw it out all the time for you to be able to come to the Performance Center and um, and see what we do and learn about the other things that we do firsthand. Um, that, that's wide open, to be able to reach out to the PR team here and to be able to get answers on some of these things as opposed to just um, kind of taking what's out there on the street so to speak, and, and just uh, running with it, it the, you know, the, the, phone's, the phone's always on. So uh, thank you guys very much. Look forward to take over this weekend. Look forward to the NXT year-end awards. Um, always exciting, and I can tell you that talent put a lot of stock into that as well, so it's always exciting to see that take place. And I uh, look forward to talking to you all next time. Thanks, everybody. Have a great week, and I hope you enjoy this weekend's events. This does conclude today's conference.